Wilson is only 31, but he's already in his third role as a manager. In December, he was handed the task of trying to restore Maryhill to their former glories. After steering Kello Rovers to an unlikely promotion on a shoestring budget, he was installed as Irvin Meadowboss at the age of just 28. But he was sacked just 13 games in amid claims of a fan's backlash and interference behind the scenes. We'll hear how Ross is using those contrasting fortunes in Ayrshire to help shape his stewardship at Lockburn Park. Ross has also said he was nothing special as a player. We'll find out what got him into the dugout so soon and how hard it is to make your way at such a young age. Plus, we'll hear his views on the changes announced in the West of Scotland League this week. It's all here on Down the Divisions. Thanks for joining us, Paul. You're back after Stuart Miller stood in for you last week. I mean, you, I mean, you must have been fearing for your spot after the performance uh, Stuart put in last week. Not really. Listen, Stuart's a great guy, isn't he? And he can, he's the man for the job because he can talk and he can hold a conversation. If I can talk for Britain, the only thing I was probably a little bit disappointed was he took my place on down the division decider. And it's one of those moments, Ross will know this moment, maybe you're playing a game of football and you're not having that that great a game, but you know the worst in the park and next thing the manager's hooking you off and you think to yourself, it's not that bad, is it? And then you look round and it's Stuart Miller that's coming on for you and you think, Jesus Christ, I'm chucking it. Honestly, because he done me absolutely no favours last week. And, but in all uh, serious, and I bet you knew the answer as well, didn't you? <laughs> no, but in all <laughs> seriousness, Stuart's a great guy and, and I've said it before on here, he's been a great help to me, especially, you know, when I went into kind of senior football and recruitment and stuff like that, he's a great guy and hopefully he'll maybe come back on and do it again for us. Well, he said he was going to be uh, waiting for the phone to ring this week, so um, he's probably sitting there now looking at it. <laughs> I had to say nice things because I knew he was a listener. <laughs> good guy, really good guy. Talking of listeners, uh, we want you, the listener, to get involved too. You can email us with your thoughts and comments at downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's down the divisions at gmail.com, or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. My name's Chris Strain, and I'm the Cohen and Rangers manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Mary Hill boss Ross Wilson is our guest this week. Thanks for joining us, Ross. Thanks for having me. I was uh, having a wee chuckle to myself there when you were talking about being a player and seeing the dreaded. Hearing the dreaded voice, right, you're off. Sometimes I've felt like that as a coach. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody sub me. <laughs> well, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but, uh, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. Each week we give four clues for a particular year. Stuart, let you down last week, as we said, Paul, so uh, it's still two each. Um, you're back with the clues this week. I am, and one of the questions last week I think we've had before as well, so Stuart's not listening that keenly. Right. <laughs> you said so, that wrong yourself. I, oh, I never said I, I never got it wrong. I never said I got it right either. So, <laughs> this week, right, Ross, get ready for this. Ipswich, Derby and Leicester were all relegated from the Premier League. Rangers beat Air United 4-0 in the Scottish League Cup. Gordon Brown was the Chancellor of the Exchequer. And Airdrie beat Alloa 2-1 in the Scottish Challenge Cup. Now, Ross, I think, no, I don't, you've got to tell me he's an Air United fan. In, in, the, in the first 
question. I think I had the answer. Right. Who's going first? I think it's only fair the guess goes first. Right. Or you go to 2002, Gareth. See, I didn't think it was as late as that. I'm going to go 2001. Oh, he's just copied you there, isn't he? We'll find out at the end of the show, yeah, Paul? Yeah, you will, why? I'm David Gormley, manager of Rossville Football Club, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Mary Hill manager Ross Wilson is with us this week. Um, Ross, I think you only managed to have six games after being appointed before lockdown. But in a strange way, has that kind of allowed you to put your imprint on the club a little bit more slowly and a bit more measured than maybe if you were having to do it with the season going on? Um, <laughs> it's It's been pretty difficult because um, really, with that said, you're, you're only really having an influence behind the scenes. So for four or five months... You're only really able to kind of speak to players and maybe the board or the, the committee, the chairman and different things. Uh, if you'd given me a choice 10 times out of 10, uh, I wouldn't have had a pandemic, mind you. But um, I think very quickly your, your, your view changes because I went into a relegation battle and then pretty soon it was, well, there's nothing to be relegated from essentially. Yeah. Um, had the season finished, would that may would that have had an impact on the the new tiers or or how it was formed? Could have, I don't know. But at the same time, um, it it was it's been pretty surreal. It has been pretty surreal. How um how how have you been working then since 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 lockdown? And I mean, I, I was looking at at some of the the changes you've made to the squad, you know, you're obviously you're obviously putting a, a mark on the squad, even though there's been no games to kind of assess the squad or to work out where the weaknesses are. But you, you saw enough in those six games to to give you an indication. Yeah, I mean, when I first went in, um, look, it it was pretty clear uh, looking at the results that the the squad lacked a bit of competitiveness. You know. You, there was a few results plus three for the other side, and um, I mean, even <laughs> my first game, uh, we were phoning that up in 12 minutes against Bells Hill. It was four each in 36 minutes, and I turned to Robert Sneddon and said, I'm resigning. <laughs> so, um, I, I mean, there has been big changes to the squad, uh, and again, we've, we've had to find a, a niche that we fall into, uh, as Paul knows himself, when you don't have the A budget or the biggest budget, you, you maybe need to fish in a different pond from everyone else. Or as uh, Jose Mourinho famously quoted, sometimes if you get eggs and omelettes from Waitrose, you know, the omelette might not be as, uh, as good. But <laughs> again, you, I, I actually really enjoy it, to be fair. Um, I think it gives me a wee jag at times, you know, sometimes uh, I've kind of got a decent network of people who I can speak to or people who will phone you up and say, what about this one? Um, What I will say is, and the boys that have stayed or the boys that we've we've held on to, a lot of them were neglected, in my opinion. They were neglected maybe fitness-wise, technique-wise, and... 
you know, we've came to to try and go, look, here's a platform, you know, get yourself fitter, get yourself motivated, get yourself a wee bit sharper, and we'll give you the platform and, you know, we'll, we'll try and give you that opportunity to step back up again. And that's the same with the new ones as well. Um, as you've seen, we've, we've kind of, we've, again, going back to when we first walked in, the two centre-halves were 36. Um, the guys in front of them, and this is nobody's fault, it's just natural. The guys in front of them look behind because, again, one ball over the top could be the difference between um, a the result is such so we had to address certain areas we when when i took the job um again we we won our first game seven four um and then the second game we get beat six two and i am not joking i sent 160 odd text messages to people that i knew just saying uh, whether that was players whether it was coaches whether it was people playing that i knew whether it was Andy, just to say, have you heard? Have you got Andy? Is this happening? And quite luckily, we uh, we got a couple of players in and we managed to move a couple out. And um, But again, it was ever-changing. I'm one of these ones who would have liked to have seen it uh, get to the end. I would have liked to have seen how we progressed the nine mm-hmm. games remaining. Um, because as I say, we won three, we lost three. Uh, the three we, we lost, we could pinpoint what the difference was between the teams. The three we, that we won, we felt we, we kind of, OK, we, we've done really well there. How can we kick on again? I also look at Mary Hill. Ross is a, a bit a sleeping giant. I know sometimes we talk about sleeping giants in football, but as a as a city club, it's just there next to Partick Thistle. You would think, you know, maybe when Thistle were away from home, you would, you would maybe get some of the crowds and stuff like that coming to watch you. What did you inherit when you got there? Because I've also looked at Mary Hill, who were a, a big junior club, and there's been a little bit of fall from grace uh, over the years. What did you kind of inherit when you went there? See, I remember, uh, in fact, my first ever junior football game uh, must have been about 95, 96. And Arthurley, I'm from Barhead, Arthurley drew three each. With Mary Hill and my PE teacher at high school was Ronnie Lowry, who incidentally was Mary Hill manager during my time at high school. So um, they were a big club. Um, they still are. You know, all the city clubs, I think, are big clubs. And um, again, you, you've got things on your doorstep that, I mean, I didn't have at Kello. You know, trying to convince people to come down the a76 or whatever it is uh, three times a week was is a harder task than what it maybe is to to get at Mary Hill and the troubles were well documented obviously I went into open minded um, in the sense that there's probably little to no budget uh, you know what and again maybe the, the time that I had um, out between Urban Meadow and Mary Hill and the different places I'd been had gave me, as you'll know, your own ideas as to what you felt. And I feel what I did at Kello was a bit 
I'm not into philosophies and different things. However, I like to I like to have a wee bit of a structure. What I felt I did at Kelo, I didn't do at Irvine Meadow. And what I'm trying to do now at Mary Hill is a bit of what I did at Kelo. So, um, to be honest, it was a team that was neglected, uh, which, again, I'm, I'm not going to criticise anyone who was there before. Um, it, it's not really my place. I don't know the circumstances they were working in. Uh, but what I found when I went in was a team that wasn't very fit, lacked a bit of confidence and probably needed to, to pick themselves up off the canvas. Is it right that you've already sold more than double the number of season tickets that you sold last year through the summer? Um, I, th- I think that is correct. Um, they'll not tell me, though, because I've been one more of a budget. But, um, but it shows, I mean, if that is true, it shows that people have looked at what you've done to the squad, they've listened to what you've had to say, and they're buying into it. To be fair, I think my first couple of games uh, had seen an upturn in the crowds. Um, now, I'm not going to say that's because of me, but again... Uh, I think there was a wee bit more positivity about the place. Um, and again, uh, one thing that we were probably good for, whether it was us on the receiving end or, or my team giving out, was goals. Um, so again, it's great. I think I think there is a bit of positivity about the place, especially in the dressing room now. We've, we've got a really good group of guys there and um, we've worked really hard to get them gelled together now um, and try to work and, and it is a work in progress it's never ever going to be I think where Mary Hill are right now will always be a work in progress until fingers crossed we can take that next step and go back to where we were 10-15 years ago Obviously with COVID and, and, and lockdown and stuff like that, maybe senior football, people might not be able to afford to go to senior football. Do you hope to kind of capture some of those supporters from uh, roundabout? And do you think local businesses will buy into what you're trying to do in terms of sponsorship and stuff like that? Because I say, I've kind of worked in that area when I was at Partick Thistle and it's, it is a kind of unique area around that that way. Yeah. And uh, we've, we've obviously... Um, you know, with again a bit of an exclusive, I think our away strip uh, is in three figures, um, which obviously the club are very thankful for the help that Partick Thistle had provided during mm-hmm. the the period that the um, the period that they had uh, where you know the gates were nearly closing, and I know it's a bit emphatic to say that and I know a lot of people maybe think I could see easy to say that you know the MD could say that and just to drum up a bit of support but you know I think it was really touch and go obviously I wasn't there at the time and I think it, even with a club you know uh, I believe that Jerry Britton has brought up a side last season before um, I took the job and I believe that he's agreed to bring up a side again um, and, you know, I think not just Mary Hill, but I think a lot of clubs need to actually... Um, I've lived down in England um, for a period, and 
you know, the lights are not in Forest, Notts County, Derby and different things. They all help, they, they, not just um, financially, but uh, maybe with a couple of players, like uh, somebody at 17, 16, 17, two young boys just going down uh, to, to go and play for, for, you know, at that time when I was going to watch games and involved in football down there, it might have been Carlton Town or... Uh, Heaner Town or different things like that. I think that more often than not, through this lockdown, um, rightly or wrongly, there seems to be a bit of negativity towards what other clubs are doing as opposed to positivity. And I think the big thing now is that if we can get fans back in, I think you will find that a lot of people will will have missed football so much that they might actually decide, by the way, they're on my doorstep, I'm going to go down. And that's got to be said for everybody because, you know, it can't just be Maryhill, it's got to be Yoker, it's got to be New Mains, it's got to be Wishaw. Everybody should be helping each other. You know, and going back to um, the rights of the party thistle support, I would... And this is a personal opinion, not a club opinion. I would love to see the club and party thistle be able to go, okay, here's a party thistle season ticket. If you buy a party thistle season ticket, you'll get maybe entry to Mary Hill. Obviously, uh, I recognise that there's party thistle's got to look after itself and, and have those revenue streams open. But it would be really good in working. Um, working together in the sense of if Mary Hill play on a, a Friday night or can Mary Hill's game kick off at 12 o'clock if Party Thistle at 3 o'clock and just have a, a day of football uh, and, and that goes for clubs around the can Gap Cairn do it with Airdrie can, can Wishaw and Newmains and Carlip do it with Motherwell or teams round about there do you think, I mean, are the board quite up for doing stuff like that at Mary Is it quite a progressive board that you've got? It's uh, would encourage that. I see you've brought out the new strip. It's just kind of like a retro type strip and you've got the, the new club shop there. So is that something that they are quite progressive that way? I think that the club will always encourage a revenue stream. I think um, the, the club would be silly not to. Um, again, a lot of these conversations don't really cross across my desk. Uh, I give ideas at times. Um, and then, to be honest, as a manager of football team, my job is purely to look after the football team. So you've kind of got to recognise your place at some times. And, and if you give those ideas, then if they're not acted upon, then at the same time, there must be a good reason why they're not. But... Um, again, the positive sides of it are season tickets are up, shirt sales are up. Um, hopefully, with football coming back and, you know, again, <laughs> putting pressure on myself, we get a winning team in the pack, we'll see an upturn in, in football as well. You, you mentioned going to see that Mary Hill game. As a, as a boy, yeah. when your PE teacher was, was, was the manager and 
when you went back into into Lockburn Park to take over the club, did you look around and think this place hasn't changed too much? I mean, because it and on the on the kind of flip side to that, it sounds like there has been work done over the summer, which which has been done to try and improve it. I'll tell you, uh, my first thought was uh, when I went into the manager's office, I opened up the drawer and I seen a list of mobile phone numbers and I thought, this is 15 years too late. I could have funny phone called him. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, a bit like we, we played our first pre-season game on Saturday um, against Ashfield and uh, I mean, you walk into Ashfield and some places you go into and I know people will be, you know, listening to this thing and listening to this whopper, but you can smell the history. You can you can really walk into somewhere and go, by the way, you know, and some of the players that have played, I mean, Ashfield, you know, I think one of their most famous is obviously Walter Smith, Mary Hill, you've got David Meikle, John, Tommy Burns, uh, Danny McGrain um, and there's there's several others and you know I definitely think that a lot of clubs um, and this is the positive about this new system and not a lot of people are looking at this and I get that people are traditional and people are, um, are love the juniors and it was great it was great I, don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed uh, I played junior myself so I, I understand the history and you know there was no better day than going to a Scottish Cup final or going to a Central League Cup final or an Ayrshire Cup final but I believe that water always finds its own level and the teams that want to progress and go as you've seen with the Lowland League unfortunately teams like East Stirling and Berwick Rangers are finding it hard to get back out and Edinburgh City and Cove are now finding their own level as such and I think that if you're progressive enough, you believe enough, you can get there but also to go back to the, the ground Mary Hill's facilities are second to none um, again neglected potentially you know, maybe there's been a wee bit of you know, a bit, a, day, a bit dated, a bit tired, maybe needing a bit of enthusiasm, maybe that needs to come from the pitch. And again, maybe I just need to put a team in the park that, that excites people round about to go and actually... And saying that, you know, the committee were really great during lockdown because uh, the dressing rooms and everything get painted. Um they'd done a little bit of work to the terrace and, and the roundabout areas. So, again, I think a lot of it, a lot of people's enthusiasm comes with, and it's the same with football, it's the same with anything in life. If it's going well, they'll come, build it and they'll come. But, again, maybe maybe that's no, <laughs> not the right opinion. I think it is the right opinion. Everything you've said there... You're singing from the same hymn sheet as me. I've banged on about history at clubs for a long time. Mixing that history with the, the, the new setup uh, gives the, the supporters that kind of a new hope, I suppose. How far do you think Mary Hill can go? Do you think you can get them to the to the Premier Division in our setup? Um 
probably a bit stupid of me, but um, I, I'm I'm right, and I believe that MD can do what they want. MD, you know, I've I've done the self help books, I've uh, listened to podcasts, uh, I, I try and I, I've, I do everything I can to learn. Um, I believe that it can go as far as it wants to go. Um, not just one person can drag this club, club to the Premier League, though. It, it's got to be a collective effort. There's got to be, you know, and I'll touch on a, a great club that I've been at where you've got multiple people who just get it done and they've reaped the rewards on the part and it's Beath. You know, I know a lot of people speak really highly of Beath and they do that. They, You know, John Bowles had an absolute gentleman, you know, and I've, I've, I find time to confide in him at times and ask his opinion and things. But it's not just John Ball. You know, there's other great, great people there. And it's much like when you hear, you know, I listened to the, the episode with David Gormley and he was talking about Auchinleck Talbot and different things. And I think clubs like Beath, Auchinleck Talbot, um, you know, they, they really they really set a, a benchmark as such. And I think if a lot of teams adopt their approach uh, off the field, then I don't see why not. And that goes for Mary Hill as well. See, I think you've got a really good blend there as well because obviously I've got to know you through a, a, a mutual contact and, and Peter Kane, who's in helping you just now. But I, I, I genuinely believe in, in where you're, you're sitting right now and Mary Hill and with the contacts. The contacts Ross has got is phenomenal because Ross and I maybe now speak two or three times a week and he, he, he's helped me immensely. Hang on, Paul. Hang on, hang on, Paul. I thought it was just me and you that did that. <laughs> no, no, Ross has Ross cut your grass. So, but I mean, what I mean by that is his contacts are phenomenal and I, I've had players off, off Ross. How do you... I find people now, obviously, when you were at Kelo, you're in a similar position to where I was at New Mains. Did you get that help yourself? Did you, did you uh, need, it, need it to, you know, it's not one man's dream. You've got to have people around about you that kind of buy into your vision as well. Again, um, and I get, I'll just be totally transparent here. Um, I have been lucky at times that I've, I've bumped into the right people. Um, when I was at Kelo uh, in Northern Meadow, the phone book full of people. Uh, when I moved to Nottingham, uh, John McEwen, who is now my enemy, <laughs> John's a great guy, but uh, I remember having a conversation. I'd just moved down to Nottingham through my work after the Northern Meadow thing, uh, and it, it, the way it worked out, kind of was was really good for me because to be totally honest I was in a bad place I took it really badly um, and John McEwen said to me and it was the best thing that could happen was Ross your phone will go really quiet and then about two weeks into that I just thought I'm going to test this out and uh, I just wiped my phone wiped my phone so I had contacts that I'd met in the B licence, the youth licence, the A licence, eh, opponents, players that I'd worked with, players that I'd chased. Every contact I had was then away. Um, and again, 
I know obviously myself and yourself have got to know each other and different things and I don't try and help people for people to go thanks a lot that, that's really good you know well done he's a, he's a good guy I do it because I've been in that position I know how hard it is I'm quite lucky that I can pick the phone up to the lights of maybe uh, Johnny Miller and say Johnny here's a situation, do you think I've handled it right? And he'll say yeah or no, or I can pick up the phone to a few others and say, you know, but also know that I want to be um, a a counsellor as such, but I would always say to young coaches especially, and any coach, see if you've had a scudding, phone me up, I'll listen to it, you know, I'll give you my opinion. Because I, I think there is a lot of, um, especially in football, and maybe it's just a maybe it's just a, a Scottish stroke British thing, but there's a lot of, you know, disappointing opinions in football. But I remember I, I was a bumper at the side of the part. I've, I've got to be honest. Sometimes I was an idiot, you know. I've got, I've got to stop you, and now you've got Peter Kane in there, way. I know. Well. See, to be fair, I had to get Peter so I could keep myself in check. <laughs> but, no, I, I, I used to shout, and sometimes I would come home at night and go, what'd I do that for? You know, and now even on Saturday, because it was our first game and there's a lot of testosterone, and by the way, the referee was excellent. It was the best referee I have seen um, and I know referees don't get a lot of praise, but he was excellent on Saturday. Peter, did Peter shout at him at any time? <laughs> I uh, told him to shut up, mind you. But <laughs> um, and that was a good ref. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of testosterone and people pushing each other and different things. And I actually shouted on the park. If something happened in Socky Hall Street, every one of you would crap yourselves. We you <laughs> just got on with the game. You know what I mean? So. I've been there where I've had help, you know, where I could phone the lights of maybe Gus McPherson and, and people like that um, and, and ask opinion. And then I've been there where I've had no help. So I would always offer help and always ask for help. And by the way, um, just because you ask for help doesn't mean you're weak. You know, there's a perception that if I ask him for anything, he'll think I'm a weakling, I'm not phoning him. You know, and that that that's all I would say about it. Well, we'll, we'll maybe come back to, to a bit more of that in a moment, but but before we do, um, I quite like to get your views, both of your views on on the news today. We're recording this on on Thursday that the West of Scotland League they've announced the first set of fixtures. They've announced these new groups that are going to be played within the conferences in the Premier League. I guess some of us were under the perception that, that the start might get put back after Nicola Sturgeon's announcements recently, but um, October the 10th seems to be the, the date now. It's down in black and white. First of all, get your views first, Ross. I mean, what, what do you think about how they're trying to make this work? Um, to be totally honest, I'm, I'm delighted that we're, we're actually getting games, but I, I think that... Um, Everything should have been regionalised as best as they could. 
Um, I mean, I, I'm sitting saying today, uh, you know, it was funny because I'm speaking to different managers and I'm like, I can't believe that I can't go to, to somewhere, to, I can't go to Renfrew to play a friendly, but I might be expected to go to Craig Martin the 10th of October. How does that work? And I know it would have, uh, I think it would have generated a lot of interest, but I certainly think they should have. Um, the likes of Lanarkshire, you know, the likes of Les Mahago, Lanark, Kaluk, Newmans, um, Shots, etc. I think they should have regionalised it. I mean, personally, I think we've got to learn to live with us. We can't hide away forever. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it's, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous kind of game, but um, I just definitely think that they should have looked at regionalising to the best of their ability and I know you look at the top league and you go well there's only eight outside of Ayrshire but personally I think the best solution to that would have been moving Bees and Coburnley over into the, 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 the central part as such and again the, down in England everything's regionalised you don't get a choice to moan about what league you're in, what, what you're doing, what, and you know that's something that we'll need to learn to live with. So again, I I just feel for the first year during everything that's going on because people testing positive for COVID is going to be as common as a hamstring strain now. So if if we are going to play games, and I certainly feel that we we should have regionalised it to the best of our ability. Would that be fair, Paul? I mean, you you saw, you saw New Mains game get called off on Saturday when when Bells Hill had a player that, that tested positive the day before. Can can you see October the tenth happening? The journey and the roller coaster of this whole pandemic has been crazy because what go back to when we were training in small numbers of fives, then we were stopped, and then we could go back and train. Now we're in a situation where a week past Friday or a week tomorrow. Lanark should get put in lockdown. I'll talk about Lanark because that's where I live and that's where, where our club is. I can't go and visit my mother, but we can go and play a game of football. So I actually don't know whether we will kick off when we say we're kicking off, but we've put the plan in place to do it. Last week, and I'm going to give a massive credit to Derek and Davey and uh, the guys at Bells Hill because... First thing on Saturday morning, I got a phone call from Derek Wilson saying, Paul, one of our players has tested positive. Now, I, I don't know whether I should put this on here, but his brother also plays in our team. So straight away, we're thinking, you know, have they been together? In my opinion, and I said this to Derek, this doesn't go ahead. Now, I actually looked at it mainly from a Probably a bit of a selfish thing. I'm thinking, right, we might only be New Mains and they might only be Bells Hill. But the first thing, and I can't help my feelings, the first thing I thought of, oh, if anything happens in this game, we're all through the, you know, you're through the press, you're through the papers. Yes, we're only two small clubs, but it's not right. And the cold light the day after speaking to Derek, it, it, the, the best thing to do was call off. We do, and you're right, Ross, we, do, we are going to have to live with this. This is something that's going to be in our lives. But, I actually think there's just going to be games called off, and where the conflict that the conflict comes in was Saint Mirren had a game, who 
one of their players tested positive, but they were insisted they had to play. The difference being they get tested twice a week. We we don't test, so it's I, I don't know whether it's kind of dangerous ground at the moment. In terms of the league setup, if we strip all that away and, and we're going to go ahead on on the tenth again, the tenth was a date that was originally set, but then I think Nicholas Sturgeon's going to make an announcement couple of days before that so then they put it back to the I heard it was the 30th now we're back to the 10th in smaller groups if I'm putting my football mind on excited can't wait to get back but how many of those games are going to go ahead how many games are going to get you know how many pitches are going to be playable if we have heavy rain and that's I'm trying not to be negative because I'm really excited about the whole West of Scotland setup. I'm looking at our group you know Ashfield Ardea Delray Gartcairn Greenock ourselves, Port Glasgow and Royal Albert. I'm excited about that. I really am excited. We've got a wee opportunity in here now. And same with yourself, Ross, the group that you're in, you, you must think, wait a minute, that's, 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 that's a good group. So, and summing that up as dead excited, really excited for the product, really excited moving forward. But I'm just a wee bit sceptical because I don't know what's around the corner. It, it's just, a, I, I just feel there's so many inconsistencies across the board and you know I, I look at things and it's how can we not get fans and just ask fans to wear a face mask now if we as a club appoint eight stewards and one person cannot give a real good reason why they why they can't put their face mask on the simple solution for me is to get the attention of the referee and stop the game until they put their face mask on see if we need to do that to get fans on the ground i'm sure everybody will abide by it what i'm going to say though is positivity if we if we, we can't ignore corona but if we're saying football's going back on the 10th i need to give kenny young and the guys at the the west of scotland league Huge credit for what they've done, you know, trying to make this work, trying their hardest, trying to say, and, and they're no daft themselves, you know, they know games have got to be off and they're trying to schedule stuff in. So, you know, first and foremost, absolute credit to the West of Scotland League because they've actually been fantastic. Yeah, and do you know another thing, and I think we've got to take this into consideration, like it or love it, um, football has such an important part in morale across the country and again the buzz around social media and, and sat Friday and Saturday and of course there was people saying on Friday we're kidding ourselves on that it's going to go ahead it goes ahead on Saturday everybody's buzzing you know you're just delighted to get the game back now what, what do we do because mental health has got such a big part to play especially in football now. There's players I've coached who have, have came and, you know, they've, they've documented their journey and, you know, they've really helped a lot of people and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but again, are we going to lose a number of people in a generation due to mental health than more than what we're going to lose to, to corona? And again, I, I totally accept that coronavirus isn't nice and, um, well, we we need to we really need to get our heads together and 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 start thinking about the bigger picture as well as is just coronavirus because I'm telling you right now if 
if people are, are not going to be in, if people are going to be locked up in their houses, not going to be able to go and do anything, where does that leave us, you know? And football is such an important part to play in the country. One of the debates I'm hearing, and, I'm, and, and I generally, hand on heart, I have no I'm no opinion on this, but I'm putting it to yourself, Ross. Um, we're in a kind of bigger chat for various clubs, and a lot of clubs, especially the bigger clubs, eh, I'm not naming the clubs, are saying, don't let fans in, we can't go back. We, we just physically can't afford to... to open the doors some teams are saying some teams are saying football without fans eh, we've not got a product I sometimes think that it's because they're paying the higher wages that they actually need they need the, the gates to, to open and sometimes I wonder if they're looking at it the wrong way in terms of hey, we need to open the gates because football football is nothing without fans but really they need to open the gates to be able to pay the players so I spoke to somebody this week about it and says, you know, surely players, we don't have this problem doing it at, at New Mains. Uh, I'm sure you never had it at, at, at Kelo and stuff like that. Maybe you were paying expenses. But I was saying, surely to give football back, boys would maybe waiver their fee or take less a fee. But then the answer I got back was, it's a second job for some people. You know, their car, their car gets paid because they play football on, on the weekend or part of their mortgage gets paid because they play it. So... Why should they take a pay cut? What's your thoughts on it? Do you think players should maybe take a pay cut on this, or what's your opinion? Well, I think the and again to be totally realistic, I think the clubs who are paying could potentially be paying a signing on fee as well. Yeah. Uh, now, if somebody's been given a signing on fee and still goes, I'm not playing, then again you. I think um, turkeys don't vote for Christmas as well. Um, are certain clubs or are clubs looking at it going, God, they're subbing and down in this league. If uh, we do not, if, if we can maybe get a free hit this year, it gives us a chance to assess where we're at. People might think um, eh, it's, that's a wee bit of a controversial comment, but at the same time, turkeys don't vote for Christmas. And the majority of players I know um, would probably play for nothing. Um, I think they, they just enjoy it. I think they, they probably would have been cooked up in the house. For, I think if somebody's been in the house for six months looking at everything that's going on in the world, still expecting to get £200 a week or, or whatever they're getting, then, you know... Uh, Is that what you're paying at Maryhill? <laughs> I want to get out of my bed for that. <laughs> but I, I just think that you've got a choice to make then. And I, I had a similar conversation with uh, someone involved in the game. Um, and I kind of said, well... You know what? If if guys have got a talent and they're getting paid for it, and that's great, they deserve to be paid for the talent that they possess. However, if it's coming down to um, the fact that they don't want to play for nothing, okay. So do they then go and say someone's from Drummond and they 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 don't sign for one of the Ayrshire clubs and they go and play for Benbird or the Ants for a year. The, if someone's from 
Carmelo, did they go and play for Canvas Lang or Vera Clyde or Shettleson? Uh, again, I know there's going to be a survey sent out and it would be really interesting if they involve players. I would like to see the percentage of players who come back and said, mm-hmm. if I don't get paid, then because then that flips it back in the clubs to that's say... That's a great point, Rose. That's a great point. Brilliant. But at the same time, you know, would the clubs accept that survey going out to the players? No chance. <laughs> this is Des Roach, ex-referee, Cabernet Leadside assistant manager, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. BSC Glasgow have brought in Ross Lyon after his contract at Clyde expired. Got Ken of another new face in their ranks. This time it's Ben Cappy, whose former clubs include Cumbernauld United and Albion Rovers. Port Glasgow Juniors have signed 19-year-old goalie Chris Wiley from Morton. Greenock Juniors have also taken a player from Capillo with attacker Aidan Duffy joining on loan for the season. Ashfield have confirmed midfielder Kieran Galloway has joined from Broomhouse Amateurs. And Brian McQueen has renewed his contract with St. Rocks for the coming season. Johnston Borough have signed right-back Dominic Bolland, who last played for Greenville Triumph in the USA. Experienced midfielder Sean Fitzharris has also come on board after spells with the likes of Renfrew, Darville and Cumnock. And Whitlet's Victoria have brought in defender Lyle Cameron. The 21-year-old joins from south of Scotland league side Bonnet and Thistle. Hi, it's Martin McKinnon, Port Manager here, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Ross, who was your idol as a boy? Um, Brian Loudrop. Um, and another kind of not so left field, but David Ginola. Um, I, I, I mean, the two of them just, uh, when I was a kid, you know, it was the, the beginning of the, the Sky Sports sort of era, so you, yep. you had multiple games on, and I just remember Ginola playing for the entertainers of Newcastle, and Loudrop again, uh, hard-working, uh, and a very good team that that didn't know they were beat, but he could have been the man who, who just popped up with one from out of nowhere. Who's the toughest opponent you faced, manager or player? Uh, I need to go back to my days at Kelo because it it's probably um, McClelland. He was Darvel manager, Paddy. Oh, I had a mind blank about his first name. Um, but his Darvel team and my Kelo team had some right ding-dongs and they picked us for the league that year. And, you know, I remember the game at Kelo um, they battered us, uh, we drew one each um, and we probably got away with it that day and then we played just the first game after New Year uh, and within 20 minutes had to make three subs um, and I felt we had the better of the game that day and they scored and we missed an open goal with a last kick of the ball and again, he was probably, you know, somebody that I actually really enjoyed coming up against because they were they were really good games. And at that point, the kind of Davo support had uh, a not so soft spot for me anyway. <laughs> uh, what's the favourite football top you've worn and why? 
Uh, favourite football top I've worn uh, is probably in my 21 days, uh, Nielsen uh, under 21s. Um, and interestingly enough, while I was playing, I was coaching them as well. Um, to, and I probably guaranteed my, myself a game by doing that. But <laughs> I think I kind of... Uh, I gave uh, I gave back as good as what I got as well, but I really enjoyed uh, that year of playing. That that's probably where I enjoyed uh, the most, to be honest with you. Who's the best player you've played with? I mean, played with or coached? Um, not necessarily played with, but uh, I've been lucky enough on my coaching courses to have, to have shared the same field as as a, a couple of Champions League winners and different things like that. And uh, when you see people like Manish up close, you kind of think, well, you, you, it's a bit surreal because, uh, I mean, 10 years ago you were running home to watch him playing for Portugal at Euro tw- 2004 and then he, he's sharing the same pitch as you, uh, Lark. So... Um, he's the best, him and a couple others, there was some real good, Lee and Osman and different people like that were great to just see up close because uh, they, you, they could, you couldn't get a, phone, uh, a ball off them in a phone box at times. Um, coached, I look at some of the players that I've came across in my coaching career who are now playing in the lower leagues uh, uh, in Scotland, you know, the likes of Craig Cowie at Clyde and uh, Thomas Collins at East Fife. And uh, just last of all, what's the best practical joke you've seen? So I remember uh, one night at Kello, uh, we were driving home. I used to pick up four or five boys in the car at the Marlott Shaw, just outside Newton Merns. Yeah. And we trained at Auchinleck Academy. And one night we had a really good night at training. I think I had two boys in the car. So anyway, we were driving up the road and I had the full beam on and I seen a hitchhiker. So I thought, I'm going I'm to pull in here and pick this guy up. So anyway, pulled into the lay-by and a couple of the boys are crapping themselves. They're like, don't, Ross, he could be a mass murderer or anything. So we jump into the car, he jumps into the car, but anyway, he's got his bag on. Not that way, he's got a big rucksack and he's sitting in the car. So I'm looking at him every couple of minutes and I'm like, I can't see out that side window if we come to a roundabout. So I said, going to take your bag off? He goes, no. I says, what? He goes, no. I says, take your bag off. Like, I can't see out the side window. He goes, no, I say he's going to take it off because it, it it's causing an obstruction now. So anyway, he takes the bag off and he puts it in the back seat and I'm looking in the wing mirror at a couple of boys in the back of the car. <laughs> so anyway, I said, what's in the bag? He goes, um, none of your business. I said, what? He says, none of your business. I says, well, I'm not being funny, but you've kept the bag on, so what's in the bag? He goes, None of your business. I says, look, you could have anything in there, drugs, a knife, a gun, anything, a head. <laughs> I says, tell me what's in the bag or I'm pulling into the next lay-by and dropping you off. He goes, none of your business. So I pull into the lay-by and he get out the car and see that way as he's get out the car, he's closed the door, he opened the back door and we've just drove away with a bag. 
I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it. He's going to say what was in the bag. <laughs> None of your business. <laughs> Do you know, the reason why I told you that is because uh, there was a great, great, great guy. Uh, he's, uh, he's involved at the SFA now, but he played, he, asked, he was involved at Queen's Park when I was there. Ian Maxwell? No, he played at Queen's Park, he played with East Bride when I was assistant there, and then I got him down to Kelo when I was there. And he told me that on the way down to, well, I've got to play a Dross and Winton Rovers. And I thought, I'm going to tell all the boys this, because a Dross was a game that we really had to win. And I thought, I'm going to go in and just, that's my team talk today. And I told all the boys, and they were a Dross sitting at the edge of the seat. What was in the bag? What was in the bag? Uh, it's team talk because we went out and won six one to be fair, so that oh. must be something about me tactically. <laughs> Brilliant. Hi, Stephen Aitken, East Coast manager. You listen to Down the Divisions. Maryhill manager Ross Wilson is on the show this week. Uh, we've talked about the current day Ross and manager at Maryhill, but as I said in the intro. You've, you've been managing and coaching for quite a while. You're still only 31. Tell us about how you got into management so early. Was it always something that you were interested in? I think, you know, my generation was probably brought up in championship manager. And there was a couple of boys that lived in my street. One in particular, a guy, Ryan Watt, who uh, I remember being a young boy and going over to Ryan's and his big brothers were all playing this game called Championship Manager. And I remember my mum or dad had taken me to the City Enoch Centre and I was knitting their head about this game anyway. It was in the back the the bargain bucket at five ninety nine. And it was like Championship Manager nineteen ninety five. And I remember, you know, I must have had square eyes for from just playing it for hours and hours. And I think uh, I really enjoyed. And as the years went on until I got in my teenage years, you know, when people were really investing their time in um, like FIFA and in Call of Duty and different things, I was playing games like that. And mm-hmm. again, did you, ever, did you ever put a suit on when you go to a cup final? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... Uh, I, I knew I knew I wasn't the best player, um, and again, I was I was probably the type of player who I was dead emotional at times, you know, and I probably me then would do my own head in. Like if I look at myself then, I would be annoyed at myself. Um, I was really emotional in the sense of if it wasn't going right, I would probably try and kick somebody and it was like really stupid you know like really cowardly is probably the word where you're like what, what are you doing and um i kind of got to the end of my you know i was playing and i'd signed for soul coats uh, after my a year my years at 21s and um it was kind of stop-start football for me because I just felt that I always just picked up niggly injuries and niggly wee pulls and probably because I wasn't fit enough or um, different things like that. And I was at Solcoats and I kind of 
again, going back to your formative years, you, you look at the likes of you know, Mourinho when he did that knee slide and by then you had the internet so you start reading about Mourinho and then Mourinho leads you to Alex Ferguson and all that kind of thing and you start reading books and you just decide, you know what, I, I felt as if when I played I was a talker. I've got a mate who I went to school with and I remember one day we were playing against each other and they actually turned round and grabbed me with a the throat when the referee was there looking and he went gonna stop talking you're really <laughs> annoying me and I just went alright no bother but I kept doing it and he, it's like years later he's like you're just a pain like you're a real pain but when I play when sometimes when I played fives I, I, I just know that I can't shut up and I felt that you know when I was kind of 16, 17, uh, I explored the opportunity to maybe start becoming a coach and then you do your badges and that was it. Uh, I think I got to a stage at Solcoats where, again, I felt I was good enough to play. Um, I was playing. I kind of fell out the team um, due to picking up a couple of niggling injuries. Other people were performing. And if I could look back now, I would have maybe taken a different path and... At that time, Solcoats were a decent team under uh, Stevie Wilson and Ian McMillan. Uh, I could have probably went and played for another junior team. Um, But I just thought, you know what? You're never ever going to get anywhere as a player. So let's go and see if you can do anything as a coach. And, you know, when I started doing my coaching badges, like sky's the limit and you can do anything if you put your mind to it as as people have shown before and uh, obviously you know things change but that that's really how I ended up getting into coaching and I mean you you obviously progressed really really quickly I mean I know you've got your your B license your youth license your A licenses you went to work at Queen's Park with the youngsters under David McCallum but I was also reading reading about how you know, taking up that job at Kello, it sounded like you were just looking for a chance somewhere. You were waiting for somebody to give you the opportunity. And even though you had to make a 90 mile round trip to get down there, it was worth it to just get that foot in the door. Would that be fair? Fair comment? You just wanted a chance? uh, Gus McPherson had opened a couple of doors for me uh, in regards to, at the time, uh, at at that period, I'd kind of been uh, in a bit of limbo in the sense that and I, I listened to Chris Strain the other week and Gus had sent me down to watch, I think that was the year Colwyn and played uh, Beath in the Scottish Cup semi-final and Gus had asked me to go to that game and I said, Gus, you've got to get on top of this boy. There's a boy at Colwynn, I'm telling you, he's a, he is a real deal. And it was Ross Stewart. And I had a knack for, for kind of seeing players and, and kind of understanding what I felt they needed. Um, so I did a wee bit of scouting for Gus and I'd helped out um, a couple of people with scouting, maybe going to games and, and coaching and different things. And I felt I was ready to be a manager. And plus I'm a bit single-minded as well. I, I'm kind of... You know, I know what I want, um, and I felt I was at a point in my career or my 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 manage, or my coaching where, right, I've got to just go and and give it my best shot. And I went 
I applied for East Stirling, Gus had made a phone call, <laughs> uh, couldn't get an interview, but the the person that he'd phoned said, look, I know somebody at Camelin. I went to Camelin, now at the time they were in the East Juniors, and I was really, I want it, I really want it, um, didn't get it, and then the Nielsen job came up, which was absolutely perfect. Um, Nielsen was, uh, you know, I'm from Barhead, Nielsen's proximity to Barhead, knew a lot of the players and I, that, I really wanted that one, like, I was so enthusiastic, I, I really wanted it and they didn't want me, <laughs> so um, went down to Kelo, I, I, I actually um, applied for the job and the chairman Mark called me and he says, are you sure you meant to apply for this? And I said, aye. He went, you realise that we're in Kirkconnell? I said, no, I've played in, I've played in Kelo before. I, I know where it is. Like, Kelo was a place in the old Dershire District League. You were like, right, when have we got Kelo? I hope it's in August because <laughs> I'm not travelling down there in the middle of December. You end up writing your car off, you know what I mean? But um, I and Matt said, right, well, if you're really if you're really interested, come down and meet me. And I went down and met them, and that was that. He said there, he touched on it, he says you were ready for it. I mean, how old were you at that point? 27. Right, so knowing what you know now, and hindsight's a great thing, were you ready for it at 27? Was it what you thought it was going to be? You would have come across certain situations that you've never probably ever had to deal with for your life. I'll I'll tell you something, um, and this is the truth. I've learned things at 28 that guys won't learn until they're 39, maybe 49. Yep. Um, uh, at one job. Now, uh, um, at 27, I went into the Kelo dressing room and I had seven players and I signed them all there and then because they were there from last season. Um, I knew what we needed. I knew I had a model in my mind. And again, I know a lot of people might look at that and go, shut up you know, a model, what's that all about, you know, but I knew I had an idea in my mind about what I had to do, and we went and done it, you know, Uh, Kelo had finished in the last three seasons, 10th, 6th, 6th, and the past two seasons with 36 points, so my target was to finish in 37 points, Um, so, I knew what I wanted in my mind from that point of view. Now, with hindsight, uh, and again, I'll, I'll be totally open and transparent in the hope that maybe someone kind of thinks or, or listens to this and thinks about things and, may, you know, uh, if they ever have this decision. But um, though, there's a couple of things I would change uh, in terms of the, the path that my career went. I left this bride when I shouldn't have um, fell out with Billy Ogilvy um, over something stupid and just being a young guy and going I'll show him I left I shouldn't have left Kelo for the club that I did I should have done the homework that was required um, I had an interesting conversation the night before two interesting conversations one with a journalist and one with a former manager who basically kind of said, know the right thing, don't get involved. But as I said, I don't regret it in the sense of 
Um, I shouldn't have done it. I've done it for the reasons that I've done it and I've learnt lessons from it and I'm hoping that now those lessons will bear fruit at Mary Hill. But what I will say is, if I could get back and speak to a 28-year-old me, there's things I would change because at Kelo, I wasn't a hero by any manner of means, but I think I had a real respect from the town for what I'd achieved in a short space of time. And by the way, at East Kilbride, where I was assistant manager, at Kelo, and I think even towards the end of the, before the coronavirus stuff, I had day three teams really playing some good stuff. I've known you a short time, but the kind of relationship we struck off with appear, you know, you've got old head on young shoulders. When you walked into that Kelo change room, a couple of things. First of all, did you take anybody with you, an assistant that maybe had experience? And, and how did you find maybe speaking to some of the senior players that, that, that could have possibly been older than you? You might have had a younger team, I'm not sure, but how, how did you address that situation? Um, well, I'd worked with a, a coach at Queen's Park who I felt was really good for me because, you know, when I was at Queen's Park, we were taking the youths. At Queen's Park, to be fair, I was out of the house five nights a week and two days at the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, David McCallum's went on to some great things. At Rangers, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And different things. But um, I was out of the house all the time. Um, and... My assistant at Kelo was John Quinn, um, who brought something completely different, perfect for Kelo. Um, I, I went to watch, one of the players had a testimony. I think <laughs> I actually think it was this player, Martin Shaw, absolute gentleman off the park. He was great for me. Can I say a bad word about the guy? But I remember going to watch the first game that I'd seen and I wasn't having anything to do with it. I was just watching the game. And it was his testimonial. And he got sent off this testimonial. And the first thing I did was go, he's not got the legs to be a centre mid. But if I've got... A, I'd done a wee bit of reshaping of the full squad, but kept the majority of the boys. So the right back, I moved into centre back, who then went on and got a move to Auckland Lake Talbot. I moved the centre-back into the right-back area uh, and we moved a couple of people about. We moved Martin Shaw into centre-half and he was a colossus because he was an old head. You know, he, he just led by example. And I remember him shouting at me across the park one day. Um, we were playing away to Luger in the sectional league cup and he was dead aggressive and he shouted something at me the full weekend. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to speak to him. He can't speak to me like that. Anyway, by the time Monday came, I kind of just thought, hmm, he's passionate, you know. He, he kind of, I just kind of had a way of dealing with certain individuals within the squad. And going back to your formative years again, uh, I remember I had a coach when I when I was playing uh, boys football, who was an excellent man-manager, uh, one of the best I've seen. And again, when I say he was an excellent man-manager, at 13, 14-year-old, he was pulling boys out the changing room and saying, you're playing the day, this is what I'm looking for, uh, or you're not playing the day, this is the reasons why. And I kind of just felt 
like that. I, I guess you just want to be treated the way that you want to treat people the way you want to be treated. And again, there was a lot of the captain Jeff Patterson was was thirty four, thirty five at the time. Uh, we had brought in a couple of players. I'd moved the guy who was playing left back as well into centre mid, um, and he was up against a couple of boys. But um, these guys really, actually, I mean, I remember a couple of times I've had to drop them or pull them out and say, right, you're not playing. This is the reasons why. All right, Ross, cheers, Gaffer, and went out and just dealt with it. So I think they kind of respected the fact that I wasn't a 27-year-old who was going to just name a team and and then walk into my room until it all calmed down again and then walk out of the touchline. I think they thought, do you know what, that's a wee bit you know, ballsy from this young guy coming in and going, this is what you're not doing right, this is what you can do right, just follow me, I'll lead, just take my lead and roll with it and we'll get there. And, and how did they take to that, moving players' positions, going in there? Obviously, you, you didn't just go in on day one and, and just start moving everybody about. Did you just, you know, kind of start off moving a couple of players? Did you explain to them what you were doing? And, and that first ever team talk, you were in there. How were you feeling? Um, again, I, I kind of, I'd been lucky enough that um, Billy Ogilvy had gave me the reins for a couple of games. Um, he'd been away on holiday and obviously a couple of the senior players at East Kilbride were kind of informed, make sure he's not trying to play a 2-3-5 or anything or <laughs> you know, <laughs> playing everybody up front but I'd kind of get the reins for a couple of games and we'd won the games and I felt really confident in myself and um, again the rights are moving things about one of the lessons that I've learned in the last week was sometimes uh, and I think the world gets caught up uh, with coaches and you know it's great I brilliant Barcelona pass the ball out for the back and it's wonderful Man City pass the ball out for the back and it's wonderful um, but you can't just go into a dressing room and go we're going to play a 4-3-3 we're going to pass the ball out we're going to do this we're going to do that because by the way uh, unconsciously at Kelo I knew what I was doing but at Mary Hill and even in the last week I've had to really wrap up what I was trying to achieve and go by the way I can only recruit what I can recruit now I've got to fit these players into a mould and, and play to their strengths and I, I don't I don't like going back to front or anything I like to play passing but when it comes to formations and stuff I think you need to 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 analyse what you've got and really think right okay what's going to get the best out of these players but in terms of Kelo um, there was always there was a lot of suck it and see um, the sectional league cup was a bit of a baptism of fire at that time because we had Glen Afton come not Auckland Lake Talbot, Muir Cup and Luger in our group and uh, we we drew with Luger in the last minute of the game and that was a brownie point for me for one reason why I said we had to be a, it had to be a certain type of fitness. We dispatched a Muir Cup um, 
Glenn Arthur, we showed up and we only had like 13 players and you're sitting going, I don't know if I want to come out here because at the time they'd just won, they, they, that was the year that they won everything, you know, that, that was the beginning of that team really kicking on. Um, the Cumnock game, we really played well uh, and even John McEwen came up to me at the time and went, by the way, you've got, you've got a decent wee side here, well done. And I kind of thought, aye, I do. And then on the Saturday we went out and again, this is probably where I felt I won the players over because we went out and we played Alton Light Talbot and it started off and I think we scored first and know that way you're like, uh, it was a bit like, um, you know, Pearl Harbor with a walk and a sleeping giant and <laughs> terrible resolve. Um, and they went, it was 6-1 at half time and I sat all the players down and I said, Right, calm down. This is what we're going to do. And we changed the system. Obviously more defensive. But we went out and drew the second half one each. Which, you know, you get beat off Alton Lake Talbot. Um, they would, some teams would Absolutely. probably go, if you gave me that before the game, I'd mm-hmm. probably have taken it. But it's 6-1 down at half time. I was thinking, goodness me. And then <laughs> the, 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 the best one ever was... Uh, uh, I, I still get slagged by Craig Young, who is a uh, Kirk and Tillett, Rob Roy assistant manager. Uh, he came to watch. We played Dolray um, at Dolray, and it was my first ever league game as a manager. So we went out, and again, we played a system that didn't work, uh, and we were 4 0 down. And I actually tried to sign a player who I felt was the best player at this season. Tried to sign a player for Mary Hill, who back then, two, three years ago, was the best player, in my opinion, in that league. Um, and we actually had a laugh about this game, because he was one of the players that got took off. But they raced into a 4-0 lead. And I remember the chairman, and I don't know if he was half joking, but he said, you were nearly away after that game. <laughs> but... Um, 4-0 down and they'd taken off the the three of their main players and I thought I, I'm thinking at the time no disrespect to the opposition manager but I'm thinking at the time he he's left himself exposed here so I just I went for it 4-1 with 17 minutes to go 4-2 4-3 and at the time my dad was still living and I remember this because um, four four, and I'm thinking, God's sake, what, what's going on? So I'm calm, and we get a penalty, and I think, here we go, we'll miss this. Watch this, we'll miss it anyway. Uh, we score to go five four up, we a minute to go, and I'm running down the touchline. I'm doing a dance, mm-hmm. I'm everything, and my dad's like. Get a grip, Ross. Get <laughs> your technical area. I'm sitting at the back like that. Oh my God, I can't even. <laughs> anyway, they went up the park and the goalie pulled off a world day I save. See when the full time whistle went, I was just like. <sighs> but again, it, it was a simple change that I'd made and I, I felt really confident that I could make changes in a game. And that's one thing I would say to any young coach and hopefully young coaches and old coaches and whoever get the time. But don't be afraid to make mistakes because that's that's the best tool to learn. You'll feel like crap for a couple of days, but you'll learn. You said uh, you said you got the respect of the boys. You clearly did. I mean, you you took Kello, 
up to the super first division, you know, as I said before, on a, on a shoestring. Irving Medley then came in, you said earlier, you know, despite some people maybe warning you not to, you, 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 went, you went with it. You said earlier, when you went to Irvin Meadow, you did things, oh sorry, you didn't do things that you did at Kello. What, 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 what did he mean by that? I felt that at Kello um, we could get away with a certain type of fitness and it showed. Um, but again, I felt at Kello for that league, we could build our fitness over the course of the season and if we went in a run, um, we would be okay. Um, and at Irvine Meadow, you know, things that I should have did, double sessions, um, you know, the, I didn't recruit the way that I should have. No, it's not the boys that are signed's fault. Um, it's my fault. I didn't recruit properly. Um, and again, the truth of the matter of that was because I'd already quit the job before I got sacked. I remember getting a text message when I was in a sun lounger in Tenerife and I was that annoyed, I thought, and I was only about a week into the job, I thought, I could chuck this. And I thought to myself at that point, just get yourself out of it, just get yourself out this league, get them up and just get away. So there were things that I did, you know, my body language around the place was probably boys smear it. You know, I smell it as a, a, I smell it when I speak to players and you maybe pull them in and you ask them to do better. Some people go, no, what, I'm going to show him. And some, some people go, he doesn't like me. I'm, I'm, really, I'm not going to last here. Uh, I think the players probably smelt it. Um, we were unlucky at times um, and things didn't go my way. Uh, off the part and on the part and again uh, I don't blame anyone other than myself for what happened however I don't think that things were done the way they should have been done and people didn't act the way they should have acted and that's just being honest as I said during that whole time um a good friend in football said to me, tell the truth and then nobody will ever question your story because if you keep yeah, if if your story's the same, they're never ever gonna pick holes in it. Um so definitely, you know, my body language around the place and going back to the Kello thing, we found a we found a system that suited us, a type of character and player that suited us. And also, the boys bought into everything that we did um, at Irvine Meadow. My intention was to get us out that league and get to, basically, um, wrongly. But also, um, there, there was things happening that, again, it probably sound like sour grapes now and I'm happy to cover it but at the same time um, it, it, it just it, it wasn't on When you leave a club like Kello and go to Irvine Meadow because we've had you know, guys on here Chris Strain and stuff like that who's got a history at Irvine Meadow and they really are a big club in terms of 
you know, especially in a new pyramid system, potentially they could go on and, and do do really well. What was it like for you? Was it a different type of ego in there? You know, guys probably getting paid a lot, well, a lot more money than what they were at, at Kelly. Was it just a total different managerial type job? Um, if I'm being honest, I didn't find the players the difficulty. Right. Um, I felt there was a bit of not player to committee, but certainly committee to player. Um, and again, I know that, you know, it, it's, you know, and people can say he's talking rubbish, but it, it's factual. Yeah. You know, it, it goes on at every club. Um, I just think that uh, I went into a club um, that was obsessed with Auchinleck to Albert. Um, in the sense that every two minutes, you know, I bet the Talbot do this, I bet the Talbot do that, which again, great, you know, Talbot are, you know, the the benchmark along with a couple of others for being, you know, what they are, uh, and nobody's disagreeing with that. But we're off in medal, you know that that was my argument. We're off in medal. Let's be off in medal. Let's go and do something. Let's go and, you know, let's go and impose ourselves as Irvin Meadow. Not just Irvin Meadow who do everything that Talbot do. Um, and again, that that that's just where I felt that the committee were. That, you know, there was an obsession with, but the Talbot do this, or but the Talbot train here, and or but the Talbot do that at the side of the greenhouse, greenhouse or whatever it's called, high school in Irvine. And it got to the point, and the other thing as well is, again, it doesn't bother me now, it's whatever it is, it is what it is, but there was a couple of people involved who were putting their own money in, um, and I... It, it's daft, but one of my favourite movies is Moneyball. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea of sabermetrics in football and stuff. I don't think it's completely the answer, however. I think it, it's too it's too stereo to be the answer, however. There was a self-appointed general manager. Now, looking at Moneyball, Billy Bean was bringing in players. <laughs> Somebody was coaching them etc etc now the naive side of me didn't foresee that so this guy was a manager in his own right um, unsuccessfully to to my detriment again uh, I remember he would would come to me and he'd go I think you should do this and I think you should do that and I actually turned round to him and this was about three weeks into the job and I should have recognised the general manager situation compared to from, you know, he, he he probably was thinking, if I make myself general manager, if the team wins, I get the credit. If the team loses, he's the man in the guillotine. And I didn't see that because there was a bit of naivety there and a bit of youthful kind of... Um, so I actually turned around to him one day and I said, many years were you in the Ayrshire District League? And he said, oh, about 10 or so. And I said, many years did it take you to get out of it? He went, never. I says, well, it took me one. So if I need your opinion, I'll ask. Mm. Which was wrong. Um, 
it, 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 I shouldn't have said it, but at the time, um, I felt I had to put him and a wee guy that used to follow him about everywhere in this kind of box, so to speak. Um, so it, it wasn't really the players that I felt was the problem. Um, I felt the, the interactions were potentially committed to players, but then again, the players smell it. Um, the players would smell the my body language. The players would understand what I was uh, probably how I was feeling because you can tell everything from my face at times. And I'll sum it up. And again, this is no disrespect to them. If people want to take the huff about it, they can. And frankly, I don't care. But I felt I went into a club whose only ambition was to make sure that they won a Gala Day trophy. A, a, a daft trophy that you wouldn't even sit in your mantelpiece. A daft trophy that took a game out your weekend at the start of the season or because it had been there for 300 years. was there something I could add to my CV. So quite frankly, I didn't care about it. I get beaten that game. Great. First time Irvin Meadow had been beaten 10 years, whatever it was, great. Irvin Vic celebrated like they'd won the World Cup, great. I'm not here to win the Eskin tournament or, you know, the, 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 the Hags Castle Golf Trophy. I'm here to get the get Irvin Meadow promoted and I'm here to, to do a bit of damage in those respects. What I will say, um, as I, I, I had a chat with Brian McGinty before he accepted the job, and I think I did help him for going into the job. Uh, but honestly, the committee were justified in their decision um, because he got them promoted. Do I think I would have got them promoted? Yeah, I still believe I did. Uh, and you can't run away from facts. 13 games, four defeats. But as I said... I'm more interested now on what what I'm going to do with Mary Hill and I know for a fact I'll be thankful for what happened to me because I've, I've definitely learned things that you won't learn as a, as a, you know, some people never learn these things and don't know how to handle this until they go into it. Um, I'll be able to smell it if it comes along, whether somebody's asking for my advice or whether it, it comes to anything else. When uh, when they put the statement out saying that they sacked you, I think there was a quote in there that maybe the job was too big for him. Yeah. What 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 did you think about that? It's just it, it, no, it was helpful. Like honestly, the, genuinely, uh, I'm not going to sit here and and say it didn't didn't upset me. And by the way, um, a lot of people let me down. A lot of people who uh, I felt were good friends let me down. A lot of people I'd brought in let me down. Um, A lot of people on that committee let me down. Because I'll tell you, um, it was that we we get one doing, right? We we get one doing in my time there, and it was against Peter's Hill. And you know, that night, uh, the next day, I got a phone call. Look, Ross, I don't know how true this is. I'm just letting you know. But 
um, somebody's been offered your job, and I went right. I say, so who is it? I'm not. I'm not going to name them, but I think by where they are now, they'll they'll be very successful if they're still obsessed with being Talbot because who they've got now. But um, at that point, I thought I'm not making this easy for them. I'm gonna. You know, I'm I'm going to fight. I'm going to try and, you know, if I can just get myself through this season, I know I can. I, I know I'll be fine. And uh, it was hard luck. Like again, you people don't realise how much luck comes into football. The next game we played Renfrew, and the vice chairman came and spoke to me on the part. I, I had a thing. I did. I'm, I'm quite superstitious at times, and I, I used to do this thing. I've stopped it now because obviously it didn't work at Osmond Medal. But, <laughs> uh, and uh, the the vice chairman approached me and went, "By the way, Ross, uh, don't listen to anything that you're hearing. There's ten ten of the committee are really supporting you." There's only two people that don't want you here. And I says, well, I can guess who they are. And he went, aye. He says, but we support you. We want you. You're here for the long haul. Like, we don't want to be this team who just lob it for back to front. We, we really see what you're trying to do. And by the way, through this lockdown, I've watched a lot of highlights of teams that I've been involved in. And I actually watched a few of the other medal games and we actually we played some right good stuff at times, even though it was in its infancy. But that Renfrew game well, is funny because Paddy O'Keefe scored two goals. I now worked with Paddy um, and I, I, I kind of we try to stay clear of this conversation, but um, ball dropped to Dan McKay. He was, he was onside. He was standing in the penalty spot we have about two Renfrew players between him and the six-yard box. He lashes it into top corner and the linesman puts his flag up and I'm shouting, why is your flag up? It's like offside. Like, you know, and you draw that game. We then went to Darville and it was one of those games where nothing went in. You know, we, Eddie McTernan goes through twice in the goalkeeper. Ten times out of ten he would score. Uh, we hit the bar twice. We hit the post, and you, sometimes you just don't get a, a bit of luck. A bit of me brought it on to myself, you know. Maybe the way I was thinking, you know, if you if you believe and you you listen to some of the stuff, you think, did I bring that on myself? But at the same time, uh, was the job too big for me? Nah. Uh, was it crap from me to say that? Yeah, should I have taken the job in the first place? No. Do I think I would have had success had it been uh, a Peters Hill, uh, a Coburnley, a Beath, a Renfrew? I probably would have. Um, it just, it was the right job. It was the wrong club. I used to get pulled into committee meetings at times on a Monday night and I'd be thinking, right, what is it now? We beat Trun in the first day of the season. We were 2 0 down, and no, that way where you can see, I've said I can see something, and I think, right, I can exploit that. We're 2 0 down. I put uh, Ryan Carnwath on, who, well, you'll laugh at this, but I put Ryan Carnwath on. Uh, we changed the system. We won 3 2. And the Monday night, what'd you put Carnwath on for? <laughs> and I'm like, 
in the fucking wind up. <laughs> fucking won the game. <clears throat> you kidding me on? Carnwath isn't good enough. He won the player of the year. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so uh, there was things like that, and again, uh, that's no. I've not said that to make Ryan feel bad. I, I still speak to Ryan, and you know he, he's he's shown why I signed him. In my opinion, he's one of the best midfielders in that league. At, Ross, I, I'm I'm wondering what the superstition was that you don't do anymore. Uh, it's it, it daft. Um, I used to I used to come out the come out the the changing rooms and go to the goal to my left, touch the post, the left post, walk across, touch the other post, walk in a straight line to the second set of posts, and but obviously it didn't work. It, mm. Just one of the things, you know. You you see people don't change their boxers and stuff. Uh, I don't wear boxers, so. <laughs> <laughs> and on a kind of on a serious note, though, earlier on, as you said when you left Irvin Meadow, you you know, and and the phone, you know, you were told about the phone would go quiet. You said you weren't in a good place after that. Was that when you went to England, and 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 was that when you needed? You needed time out the game to basically. It was only 13 games, but you needed time to get over that kind of shock to the system almost. Um, well, straight away I was applying for jobs. I did an interview for Kaluk and I did an interview for Rossville. Um, and when I came out the Rossville exam, I kind of looked at myself and I, I said, "What are you playing at?" Like, I, I kind of spent time talking about what I didn't want because of what I'd experienced with the committee at Irvine Meadow. And I, they probably sat there going, he's just spoke about Irvine Meadow and what he didn't want for us. Um, I had a manager at the time in my work, and at that period of time, um, we had, the business had been bought by a private equity. We were starting to buy up businesses across the UK and Ireland. My boss pulled me in, a uh, big Irish guy, Jamie, a guy, great manager, and he could tell that I was really hurting. And he says, right, there's um, a relocation package, there's uh, a wage, want you to go down and run a couple of departments down the south for us. So I packed up and went down there, and uh, it was... And in a way, it was good for my professional life because I got on in my professional life. But the football side of it, although I went in and I was coaching down south, I felt if I'd stayed here, I'd have probably got a job sooner and I'd have probably got something and maybe kicked on again. But um, I, I was in a bad place because, as I alluded to earlier, uh, my dad passed away in 2018. And I remember he said something to me. Now, my dad came to all my games and at Kelo. That was a great thing about Kelo. And I should I left Kelo in bad terms. And it's disappointing because they were great when my dad died. They put out a message and, you know, we're, we're really sorry. And my dad and a couple of his mates and then a couple of my mates would jump in my dad's car. He would drive them down to Kelo. They would have a drink. My dad would drive them up the road. And I remember after the Irvine Meadow thing, I said, um, I fell out with my dad for about, I don't know, about a month, six weeks. And it was stupid. Because when he when he died, I think that changed my perspective as well 
on everything. But I remember falling out with him, and then I'd fall out with somebody else, and then I'd fall out with somebody else. And then I moved down to England, and I didn't really say goodbye to him there. I just went, I'm away to England, see you later. Um, and then when I was down there, it was just being my my wife, and you, you kind of just go, right, okay, phone's no going. Uh, there's only certain people keeping in touch with you. And whilst that's happening, probably wrongly of me, but I took it really personally that people stayed at Irvine Meadow who I felt should add loyalty to me, which, again, is just my opinion. At, at, at the time, maybe it's the wrong opinion. And then I took it personally if, you know, I, I felt as if they did me wrong, so you should be backing me up. No, but... Look, it's done me now. It happened a couple of years ago, and I'm not really bothered about it. Um, you know, I know people go, he's still talking about that, but at the same time, um, the reason I'm talking about it and the reason I'm doing it with you guys is because somebody might learn something from this or might want yeah, you. By the way, have a chat with Ross Wilson. He might be able to help you with something. And I'll tell you, one of the guys in the committee kept pushing a guy towards me to help and I was okay and another thing too my assistants left when I was at Irvine Meadow so I was uh, I was really disappointed in them as well because I felt they just left me to and again you know, John took the Kelo job which great you know I pushed them towards it and I said all the best you know what I mean in hindsight you start to get angry and go he just left me in the lurch there, you know, we're, we're a team, we're meant to be together, but um, one of the guys who, um, and he might not admit to it now, it might be water under the bridge for him, one of the guys at the committee had been pushing towards me about helping, actually phoned me and he says, do you know something Ross, you've, you've been made an ass of there, that, that's out of order. I've seen this happening, um, and by the way, it's not the first, it's not the last. And he really, I felt really good that he'd phoned me and he offered his support. Again, didn't mean anything because I was still out of a job, but same time, moved to Nottingham, you were in a bad place. I'm not one of these people that, you know, not one of these people, it's no derogatory or anything, but I'm very much somebody who... Um, I'm quite strong in the sense I'll bounce back, I'll take an off and I'll go, right, I want to bounce back. So when I mean I'm in a bad place, it wasn't a case of, you know, some of the struggles that other people have, which is terrible, you know, but it was really, it was a it was a struggle as in, where, where is everybody? Because my phone was red hot four weeks ago and now nobody wants to know me and I can't get a job now. And But again, this isn't me going... Irvine Meadow was, was, they're terrible, nobody should forgive them, or nobody should go there, or anything, this is more, by the way, I hope this helps somebody, because they might find themselves in this position, Absolutely. Absolutely. and if, if they did find themselves in this position, I'd like to think that they would feel confident enough to pick up the phone and go, by the way, can I have a chat? Um, I was lucky enough as well, when my dad passed away, we, we moved back up, we, we didn't foresee it for a lot, as long as what we have and obviously now we're, we're kind of settled and 
different things, but Johnny Miller phoned me and he says, uh, I know Johnny's from Barhead as well. And again, he's been good for me through my managerial career. Phoned me up and says, right, come in, do a session. And then he says, right, do you want to come in at the end of the season, see how you got on? Um, and then bulleted me about four months later. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, like, it, it, it never bulleted me. It wasn't as bad as that. It just, it, I, pro, I was getting into a team that was a winning team and maybe just couldn't find my niche. And mm-hmm. you've got to part ways and that's just natural. It just wasn't working out. Um, so and that was, that was beef, Ross. Yeah, be there. Yeah. And then went down and helped my old manager at Salcoats for a while, and that was a real eye-opener because he walked in the door and there were zero players. And then by the time I'd left, you'd probably turned over about 40 players. Uh, and then I got a phone call. Would you be interested in the Mary Hill job? Yeah, right, come and see me. Went and seen them in. Much- Did you apply for that, Ross? Was that something you'd seen advertising? Did you stick your... Mary yeah, Hill actually right. never, see this is the thing, and I know this person will listen to it, but much to their disdain, eh, there was no underhand tactics here. Um, I was called and asked if I would be interested in the job by Jerry McGregor, um, who was a caretaker at the time. Eh, Jerry had phoned me up and says, look, um, I can't commit to the job. Uh, a lot. There's been a few people who have, uh, and we weren't friends, by the way. This was a guy who just phoned me up and just said, "Look, would you be interested?" Um, and I said, "I, all right, let, let's have a chat." Showed up, right? I'm going to be going uh, at the end of the month. Come and watch the Shelton game, and then you'll be appointed the week after. Um, there was there was a belief from an individual that. He, he was snaked out the job as such and, you know, the, he didn't really cover himself in much decorum when they returned to the ground with another team. Um, but at the same time, uh, people need to realise that this is football and I'm not just going to you know, take a job because somebody else thinks that I should in for it, you know. Mm-hmm. So... There was no application process. I was basically asked if I was interested. Uh, met the chairman who just went, all right, if Jerry likes you, I like you. There you go. And that was that. Rest history. And then how did you get Mad Peter involved with you? So me and Peter worked together. And uh, and obviously we we kind of kept we we keep in touch we kept in touch and obviously we would have a chat about football and by the way uh, and again I'm not trying to blow smoke up his his backside but he he's got a real talent as a goalkeeping coach and um, you know I'm not trying to sell him AMD but. You know, if he keeps up the way he's going, he's got a real chance um, because he is. He, he, his sessions are engaging. Uh, re- everybody's really happy. The goalies are really happy. I'm Cammy Bell, Queen's Park goalie, and this is Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions decider. Paul, can you remind us of these clues again? So... Ipswich, Derby and Leicester were relegated from the Premier League. 
Rangers beat Air United 4-0 in the Scottish League Cup. Gordon Brown was Chancellor of the Exchequer. And Airdrie beat Alloa 2-1 in the Scottish Challenge Cup. Ross, you said... 2002. Or 2001. Yeah, I said 2001. 2001 was me. Hey, Ross got that straight away, 2002. He says he got it for the first one. And do you want to know how I know it? During, obviously, the lockdown, when, when boredom set in, I, I downloaded Championship Manager 0102. <laughs> and, uh, when you start off in the English Premiership, you'll get absolute star being Leicester, so... And I heard something in Talk Sports saying that Ipswich haven't been in the, the English Premiership since 2002. So Ross, uh, Ross, thanks for, for joining us tonight. Uh, it's been good to good to have you along and to to hear your stories and to look back over your your short but you know successful and and kind of varied and and, and up and down managerial career. We hope we hope things are obviously on the up for you and and for Mary Hill going forwards. And uh, we'll look forward to getting you back on the show once once things are. Are up and running. Great, thanks a lot for having me. And all the best to Mary Hill. Don't forget you can get in touch with the show with comments or suggestions for people to speak to. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Do leave a comment which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. 